Welcome to another episode of Pit Pass NASCAR. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Congrats to William Byron for kicking off the 2024 season with a hotly debated victory last night after a long weekend of rain and sitting around, whether you were at the track or at home. Before we dive deep, make sure every week to check your grid rival lineup. If you are one of the 480 so people in the league, your guys probably change every couple races. So, you know, just make sure you check that. I'm not reminding everybody every week selfishly so I can jump up the standings at some point. But that being said, let's briefly mention what a disaster three out of the four races were this weekend. Arca, complete mess. Truck Series, almost embarrassing level of racing. And Xfinity late last night had nine or ten cautions-ish before, I admittedly, I dozed off after Sage Karam was involved in that wreck towards the end. I was just struggling to, to hang in there at that point. And what I thought might join the fray was the cup race, which was actually... I mean, it wasn't clean. Obviously, there were two pretty big wrecks, but for Daytona 500 style was a pretty good, not only a good race, but I think most of the time the driving standard was fine. And the before I get your take, the wreck at the end that ended the race. I had no problem with Chastain attempting to make a move there. It's the, You're going into what you think is the last lap of the race. You're going for it. So I don't have an issue with that one. The early one, Kozlowski, yeah, he kind of got a little little squirrely there and, and maybe shouldn't have done that. But I don't have an issue with the wreck at the end of the race. Uh, and I, who was the... You know, Bowman got a little a little antsy on that wreck with you know 10 to go or so, but... Again, I don't have an issue with that one. So what do you think of the weekend? I thought it was pretty good race for Cup, at least. I mean, as you said, both Xfinity and Trucks, I did not watch Arca, um, but I saw enough of the highlights to know how that went as well. Yeah, just getting the Xfinity race done, I never knew if we were going to actually finish it. So... Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at the stats right now for Cup, and I mean, we had five cautions, but that was only for a total of 18 laps. The red flag was only one for a total of 15 minutes and 27 seconds, and it was a three-hour and 10-minute race, which, all things considered, for the Daytona 500 is pretty much, I would say, par for the course, or it's pretty good. Yeah, and you know, two of those cautions were stage breaks. So, like, I don't even... I know they're technical cautions. I don't consider like when I'm thinking about the race, I'm not thinking, oh, you know, it was really five cautions. But I mean, technically, you're correct there. I think that goes to the point, and and this isn't necessarily race related for just this weekend. And I'm gonna advocate this until it changes. I'm fine with stages, but we need to end the stage break cautions because it kind of ruins the strategy a little bit. I think that race would have played to a really interesting strategy if we just said, hey, at lap 65, at lap 130, and at the end of the race, we are going to award stage points, but we're not going to you know, throw a, a caution out. 
you might get a caution anyway by somebody battling for more stage points. But I think if it just naturally plays out, I think you lend yourself to a more interesting race strategy-wise. I can't argue with that. I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of the stages, really. So yeah, I think not knowing when people are going to finish the race, or like kind of have to come into pit and make them really have to consider it more than just, all right, well, we know we're going to be pitting either a couple laps before this or maybe a couple laps after or right on the the stage break. It, it just, it makes things way more predictable, as you said. I mean, I do like the battling, but we tend to get wrecks there. So, I mean, as you said, it, it ends up kind of causing a yellow anyway, so I'm not sure why. Maybe, well, I don't really know the reason behind why they started doing the stage breaks, what the motivation was, but I'm going to guess that drama. it potentially had something to do with the broadcast. Yeah, and I think it was having manufactured a drama, scripted, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scripted for commercials to easily put something in right there and get a, you know, a way to break it into thirds and people can get up and get another beer, get some snacks, go to the restroom, whatever it is. Yeah, I, so I it was really kind of a listener of the podcast who is from the Midwest and was in Philly last week, brought me a six pack of Midwestern beers, like six different ones. And I had one during the race last night with 10 to go. I thought, okay, we're probably going to get overtime. I thought it was going to go longer. I had, it was like a watermelon type beer. It wasn't a sour. Ross Chastain brand. <laughs> that's why, because that's who I was hoping would win because you know, he was on my grid rival team. And I'm like, what better beer to drink at the end of the race? It was the strangest beer. It was almost like I was drinking a liquid watermelon. Like it wasn't very beer. Like the beer, you know, that hops was like an aftertaste more than it was odd. I don't know how else to describe it other than it was kind of weird. It wasn't bad. It just like I would definitely never buy a six pack of that. Was it more like a White Claw or other type of seltzer? It was... I no, not really. I don't even know how to describe it. But anyway, what's the seltzer what? or the thing that was on Tyler Reddick's car? Nasty Beast. It's an energy drink. Nasty or... Beast. Yes, yeah. and I think it's like the one of those Mountain Dew alcohol energy drink or alcohol beverage sort of things. Don't don't quote me on that one. But you know, let's run through real quick here. Top five. We'll do that for Xfinity as well in a minute. Obviously, William Byron won, teammate Alex Bowman and Joe Gibbs racing. Chris Bell round up podium. Corey LaJoy finished fourth. Good for him in the in the cool Chili's paint scheme. And then Bubba Wallace is in fifth. And then in Xfinity, which I don't have the results hand. Here we go. Austin Hill won at the very end. Third in a row. Yeah. Sheldon Creed finished second. Frenchie's favorite Xfinity driver, Parker Rutzlaff, finished third. Jordan Anderson, fourth. Chandler Smith, fifth. So that was that. That was a... My my driver of the day in Xfinity is going to be Sage Karam, despite finishing uh, 28th. But he was running up high. He was in the top four two, with two restarts to go. And on that one, also shout out to running the... Very awesome Wawa paint scheme. 
Natalie Decker, who was the first female to lead laps in Xfinity since Danica in 2013 or 2014. I sh- I just read this like 10 minutes ago, and I already forget. <laughs> Thank God she dethroned Danica. Yeah, good job, Natalie. We appreciate you more than you than you know. I actually interviewed her. I should see if I could find the file. A couple years ago, because they there was like a horror movie that was sponsoring her car. I was I was in a Airbnb when I did the interview in Ohio for the Road to Indy finale during the first year of COVID when when it was like in October or whatever. I don't remember. It's got to be in our episode still on the on the pit lane parlay feed. But anyway, let's continue. I think my driver of the day for Xfinity before we move on to our predictions is probably going to have to be John Hunter Nemechek because being able to finish both races in the top 10, uh, I just think, I mean, respect for doing that. I think, wait, he finished both in seventh place? Yeah, he did. I think that's impressive. Uh, and I mean, Riley Herbst did both races as well. Where did he finish? I think he finished pretty far down the order. Did he? No, he finished sixth. And where did he finish in Cup? I think he was further down. But his name's not jumping out to me on this list. Where is it? There he is. He finished 24th in cup. So not, yeah, I'm definitely picking John Hunter Nemechek for being very consistent, finishing both races in the top 10. That's impressive to me. Yeah. All right. I respect that. All right. Let's go to our predictions. I know you have the the list handy, so we'll do that. And then we'll go to our kind of driver of the day, disappointment of the day for cup. All right, let's do it. So the first prediction I guess we had was the poll. We tried to predict for cup. And I said Austin. No, I did not say it. I said Austin Sindrick. I have Austin Dillon <laughs> underneath for a different prediction. I looked at myself like double take what? The look on your Austin face Sindrick. there was pure terror and it was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought I wrote that down wrong. So uh, obviously, Austin Cindric did not get the poll. He qualified sixth. You picked Jimmy Johnson, who Yikes. qualified a lot, like last. No, close to last. Twenty third, and. Darian, who we had on last week to do these predictions, had Chase Elliott on the poll. He qualified fifth. So not too bad. I mean, none of us guessed Joey Logano, but he had a fast car all weekend. And I think had he not gotten taken out towards the end, he probably would have been in contention for the win. Yeah. Okay, what else did we do? We had, will we race on Monday? That's what we predicted. I said, no, we will race on Sunday night, but it'll go to like 1 a.m. So I guess that sort of means we would race into Monday. That was wrong. Yep. You said we would have no rain at all and we would just get everything in on Sunday afternoon. Very wrong. Optimistic take. And Darian said Monday night. So he wins that one. 
Good for him. Good work. Okay. What else do we have here? Should we get to the Xfinity race of who's going to win? Yeah, just go, just, just go straight through the predictions, whatever you wrote down. We don't need to get too crazy with this. Okay. So for Xfinity, I said Frankie Munoz was going to win because I was trolling. And I thought that, was that would fun, be fun. fun. Yeah, it was a fun pick. Yeah, I did not really actually think he was going to win. He finished 33rd. <laughs> uh, he completed 37 laps. So cool. You said Parker Kligerman, who, where did he finish? I think he finished 25th, completed it 118 laps. So again, did not win. And Darian guessed Austin Hill. So he actually correctly predicted the winner, which now thinking about it was a pretty safe bet, given that he just did it for his third consecutive time. But we still got to give him credit for that one. Yeah, props, props for that one. Okay, who was going to have a good race? I said Tyler Reddick was going to have a good race in the Daytona 500. And I don't really think he did. It was okay, but he finished 29th. So he got taken out in that last big wreck on lap 192. So I don't know if I can blame him for that, but it didn't end up being a good day. He's not going to come away saying that he did well, even though he won one of the duels. Yeah, fair. You said Ty Gibbs was going to nope. have a good race and he finished 17th. I mean, he, he was finished all completed all laps. He was on the lead lap. So not terrible, but I don't, yeah. I wouldn't say that 17th is what he's looking for. No. And then Darian said, Noah Gregson, who was pretty anonymous all race. If I have to be honest, he finished ninth though. So I don't know. What would you say? Good day. It was pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Listen, the fact that he got a top ten in a race that saw two pretty big accidents, and is a guy that you're not really expecting to finish up that high at any point mm-hmm. is pretty. Yeah, it's yeah, I respect that. Okay, bad race. I said Austin Dillon. He finished thirty seventh. I would say that is a pretty bad race, especially considering how well mm-hmm. his teammate Kyle Busch ran. Kyle Busch finished 12th. I mean, there should have similar equipment in the Richard Childress racing cars, so mm, that's not so good. You said Ricky Stenhouse, last year's winner. He finished in 31st. It's definitely a bad day. Got taken out on that big last wreck that caused the red flag. Yep. And then... Darian said that Kyle Busch was going to have a bad day. And I just mentioned that he finished 12th and ran up front for a while. So I would say that Kyle was probably disappointed by that, but I, it was a pretty good day. Yeah. I think he had a fine day, especially considering he had essentially no help, no teammate help after, you know, lap five or whatever. So yeah, I I'd agree with you on that one. All right, now we'll get into our guesses for the cautions and red flags. For cautions, you had the over-under set at seven and a half. Okay. And I guess we should not count the stage breaks, but still, it it doesn't impact it really either way. way. Yeah, yeah. So I said it was going to be the under in Cup, and we we had the under on that. That was was correct. I said under on Xfinity. Uh, That was not correct, because that was chaos. And (laughs) 
there were nine cautions. So I guess if you take out the two stage breaks, it's seven, which is technically under seven and a half. Does that count as correct then? Yeah, I'd say so. It's under seven and a half. Either way, you you put it. All right. Well, that's still. I'm I'm impressed that somehow I was able to get that one. But you said over for Xfinity, which I mean that was really close, and under for Cup. So you were correct on that one. Darian said over for Cup, which not even close. There were relatively few yellows, yep. and then under for Xfinity, which was not the correct call. Even though it kind of was like, I mean, I, I assume under when I was saying that for Xfinity and he was saying that meant like we expected four, three. So, uh, you know, we were wrong on that one. For red flags, yeah. we had the over under set at one and a half. And I said over on cup. Wrong. We had one red flag and Xfinity was under. We had no. So I guess that's technically correct. You said under for, no, over for both, and that's not correct. I was very wrong, yeah. Yeah, and then Darian said under for both, which is, again, the right answer. So I think he proves that we should probably not do predictions with him ever again since he kind of swept us on those ones. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair point. To... Not surprised. but No, no, not at all. I think that's a, a very fair point either way. Do you want to talk about the crash that caused the red flag and then the controversial ending of the race? Yeah. So the crash itself, I, you know, listen, Chastain is going for the win. He's trying to get in position to lead the final lap. If anything happens, you know, when the yellow flag is thrown, the race is over. I have no issue with that. Yes, it caused a big accident. I personally don't have any issue with it. What about you? With the blocks that he was making, with the blocks, or with that, with that pass, right as as the accident happens, when he attempts to pass Byron and you know gets gets caught up in the wreck. No, I didn't see anything wrong with his pass at the end. The blocks were, I would say, aggressive, but that's his style of driving, and it's what's to be expected when you're going for the Daytona 500. So, yeah, I, he didn't purposefully wreck anyone. So I'm not yeah. going to say that his driving was was he didn't do anything wrong. Let's say I mean that's not something that he's going to be penalized for. It's not something new to NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. The the wreck, I honestly, I mean, there's a lot of question of whether we're going to blame Austin Sindrick or Corey LaJoy for that. Honestly, I can't tell if AJ Allmendinger was pushing Corey LaJoy because he was right behind him. And I think AJ was uh, kind of that car two or three back pushing in yeah. several of the incidents uh, throughout the race. <laughs> Not yeah, to say I that he's like causing races, but he's pushing. So, yeah. I mean, you know, the person in front should be able to, I guess, keep their car under control. But maybe he's kind of that that hard pusher that's kind of aggressive. And I would not be surprised if that's how AJ's driving. Uh, you know, he's going for the win, too. And he did pretty well anyway. But I, I don't know. AJ was maybe pushing Corey. Corey kind of got into the back of Austin Sindrick. Sindrick loses it and then takes out Brad Kozlowski. And that, you know, the whole chain goes from there. 
Um, I don't know if there's really anyone to blame. What do you, what do you think about that? I think it's just one of those things that happens in NASCAR racing on the speedway where you really have everybody up close pushing, drafting, just, you know, in that multiple lanes, little space going 190 something miles an hour. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown Racing Report. Your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene. Every week, we recap racing action from all around Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform. Yeah, I you you could say, oh, it was his fault or it was his fault or, you know, Almondinger pushed or LaJoy did this or Chastain did that or Bowman did this. At the end of the day, it was probably a little bit of all of them, but I don't think there was one thing that was like, oh, it was totally 100% or even 75% one guy. I think it was just, it's about to be the last lap of the Daytona 500, probably a little bit extra amped because you waited an extra day to race and... I also think, which we can talk about next or not, is these guys had no practice in you know, essentially all week, and then you are in the draft, which is just such a different feeling compared to racing solo or racing in a small group of you know, 15 or 20 for the duels. So I think you know, it's just maybe even a little bit of rust there of, of not being in a big pack like that for the last four-ish months or so since the last season ended so i don't i don't think in this case i would blame anybody but i also you know kind of continuing on this last wreck i think nascar got the call 100 percent right in terms of who won and whatnot it's a bummer because it was shaping up to be a really good finish and it was mm -hmm. actually a pretty good race overall in general but you know, by the letter of NASCAR rule and super props to NASCAR for then putting out an image that was, hey, this is when we call the race based on the timestamp when the yellow light comes on X, Y, and Z, and here's a picture. So, you know, there was no 
Elio Castroneves, Paul Tracy conspiracy theories that can be born out of this. Well, I mean, they certainly can because go to Twitter and you see plenty of it. But I think in general, it was the right call. You know, if you're an Alex Bowman fan, you're bummed and you're angry and I don't blame you at all. But I think in this case, it was the right call. I agree. And I, I applaud NASCAR for how quickly they made the decision and made that call. I think other series, particularly F1, tends to deliberate things long after you have these issues, right? With, you know, track limits and who was where on passes. And, you know, we just need to call the race and move on from it. So uh, I can definitely get behind what they did there. And they had all the camera angles necessary to really back up their point. What I don't understand and that I will criticize them for is on the last lap of the Xfinity race, we had a very similar, like massive wreck and they didn't call anything. Like they didn't put put out a yellow flag. Yeah, that's fair. I need to honestly go back and rewatch the end of Xfinity because it was late in the evening and I was not 100% awake at that point since I wasn't too worried about what happened in Xfinity. But yeah, okay, that's a fair point. You want to go to driver and disappointment of the, the week, the day or the week? weekend yeah i mean we just, we said it was gonna have a bad race but let's i guess talk about after seeing the race not our predictions right who we yeah. were really disappointed by do you want to start or would you like me sure. to pick somebody i will take hmm i'm looking i'm looking at the results here i i will take denny hamlin you know, for a multi-time Daytona 500 winner, didn't really qualify super great. Forget where he started. I think in the 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Finished, you know, finished on the lead lap, but was never really kind of particularly in contention. Was up front a little bit, but for the most part was kind of a non-factor, which oh, you wouldn't expect to see eight. from somebody like from him. Did he really? Yeah. Well, Sorry. I was just looking that up and I was scrolling through the 20s like, wait, he's not in this. Either, either way, he's my pick. What about you? My disappointment probably is going to have to be Kyle Larson. I just feel like we have such high expectations for him. And I don't I mean, he didn't drive poorly at all. And he, I fin- he finished 11, so it's hard to say he was a disappointment. But I kind of expect him to be there at the end contending for the win. And he wasn't. So we'll see. He's somebody that's – he'll win a Daytona 500 at some point. But yeah, he it just wasn't – this year, I guess, he wasn't the Hendrick car that was going to be fighting up there. Yeah. We should probably note that. Hendrick Motorsports, this was like their 40th anniversary. Um, They started in 1984. I think this is like their 302nd NASCAR win and their ninth Daytona 500 win, which ties them all time with Petty, Petty Racing. So I think what Richard Petty won, how many did he win? Six or seven? Seven? I think it's seven. Hold on. I'm, I'm pulling it up for you. And then Lee Petty and Pete Hamilton Seven. Yeah. won the other two, I guess. Yeah. So nine. I think they, I don't know how many different drivers that would be for Hendrick. I haven't really 
sat down yeah, and considered many. that. Yeah, because yeah. there's nine that won races for, but that's, I mean, he's up there. Roger Penske and the whole Penske team got their first Daytona 500 pole ever. So we're just seeing a lot of cool history yeah. records being made, broken. William Byron continues the legacy for that number 24 car, kind of puts it back in victory lane in you know one of the biggest races or the biggest race in nascar after we saw so much success from jeff gordon over many years i can imagine jeff was probably pretty proud to see that i wanted to comment on one last thing uh if you don't i don't know if you have something else after this but we'll have to do driver on the good side okay we will do that but kevin harvick is excellent in the booth Awesome. I, I really fantastic. enjoy his addition to the booth. He's he's fantastic. I think he has good chemistry with Clint Boyer. He kind of makes Clint, I don't know, maybe Clint feels like he needs to be a little bit more professional when Kevin's there. <laughs> he's a little less unhinged, it seemed like, at least for the Daytona 500. We'll see how it goes throughout the year. And I, I like Clint, but I just thought he performed better. Kevin did better. I'm still not really a Mike Joy fan. I know that's a hot take. I think he's obviously someone who's famous and has done this for a very long time. Doesn't mean that he's not a fantastic announcer. He's just not my favorite guy. So I don't know who would replace him, but I'm just going to say that I look forward to maybe when NBC side starts up later in the season. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, who's your driver of the day? My driver of the day, I think, you know, it's going to be hard to argue, and this is going to be a hot take, probably, because okay. this is a polarizing driver, but I think Bubba Wallace is going to have to be, I mean, top five, he was somebody that it seemed like he kept going back to front all day long. Mm -hmm. I mean, he mm -hmm. was just kind of there at the end and wasn't necessarily leading laps and you know, up there at the front kind of constantly all race long, but it's a good start to his season and to carry some momentum after last year, which I view as kind of a breakout year is a good thing for him. And I think for uh 23 XI racing 2311. All right. I'm taking another hot take here in rookie Zane Smith finished 13th on the lead lap was kind of had a quiet day, but managed to keep it clean and come home with a top 15 finish in, you know, his rookie season is a really good way to start your rookie, you know, your attempt to be rookie of the year. So, you know, definitely props to him for, for that one, but yeah, let's wrap it up real quick with Atlanta predictions, Atlanta Sunday afternoon. I have the times if you want. Yeah, go ahead. So we got qualifying on the 24th, which is going to be Saturday. Uh, it's at 11.30 a.m. I think that's all on, probably on FS1, if not Fox and the Fox Sports app. But practice one is kind of just following qualifying at 12.50 p.m. on Saturday. And then the race is Sunday at 3 p.m. is green flag. So I think coverage starts at about 2.30 yeah cool all right let's we'll, we'll keep predictions short we'll just do a couple good weekend see this is tough because i am trying to think of who generally does well at the atlanta speedway 
And I don't know, I guess we can kind of go off of who did well in the 500, but let's just say, hmm, this is, this is much harder than our usual kind of uh, format because there's so many more drivers Yeah, in NASCAR. So I'm going to have to say, screw it. It's going to be another one of the Hendrick cars. Let's say Alex Bowman gets his redemption kind okay. of for coming up short in the 500 and wins at Atlanta this weekend. All right. I'm taking Joey Logano. Yeah. Had a pretty good race until getting wrecked at the end there. So I'll take that. All right. Bad weekend. This is much easier. <laughs> I am going to pick, unfortunately, I think Ryan Priest. Okay. I don't, I don't know something about Ryan Priest. I know he's talented. I just, I don't know how good the Stuart Haas cars are going to be all year long. Yeah. But I also just think, I don't know. I, I wonder if with the wrecks that he's had, if he's a little more like timid of a driver now, I, I think I would be, it kind of changes you maybe as a driver to have those massive flips like that. Um, but We'll see what happens. I think he probably won't have a good day, unfortunately. I am going to take Noah Gragson. Another Stuart Haas car. Yes, I think. Yes, no no offense to Stuart Haas. Okay, let's go with... We're, we're going to do two, two more predictions here. We'll keep this short and sweet. And you can do both at the same time if you want. We're going to do pole sitter and let's stick with the theme. Over, under, on cautions ignoring the stage breaks. So we're going to take out the stage breaks from the caution totals that we come up with and we'll set the over under at five and a half on cautions. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's say that I don't know. Christopher Bell is going to sit on the pole. Okay. Just say that. I will take. I will take Carson Hosevar. Got it. I'll write that down. William Byron. <laughs> Just. <laughs> I think he's gonna have a good qualifying. We all jazzed up after a big win, so that's my pick. Okay, cautions go. I'm gonna say under. I really think okay. if they can get through the 500, then without that many cautions, they can get their Atlanta and 400 miles, but who knows? All right. I'm going to take the over. I think it's going to be like eight or nine or something, you know, high. All right. I'm writing that part down. All right. Well, check your grid rival lineups. Hope you enjoyed the Daytona 500. Hope you enjoy Atlanta. I know I said we were going to do an interview this week. It is now next week. So that'll be out next Thursday. Knock on wood. Everything goes off according to plan and toodaloo.